important this morning because from these hymns and choruses from which Sue and Jeff and the children were telling us, the gospel's been preached and we've been told about the wonderful work that the Lord Jesus has done for us. Now I want to read from a book right in the middle of your Bible and it's called the book of the Psalms and it's chapter 1. The book of the Psalms, chapter 1. Now during the week, there was a man from Ea, and this man is called Tam. And Tam was an alcoholic, and Tam's life was a mess. But God saved him, and we thank God for that. And Tam sent me something in social media. He didn't know I was speaking in the book of the Psalms, but he sent it anyway. So we're going back to school for a minute or two, because I've got one or two questions I'm going to ask you. What's the shortest chapter in the Bible? It's Psalm 117. What's the longest chapter in the Bible? You sure? It's Psalm 119. Which chapter is in the center of the Bible? Ah, you don't know this, do you? <laughs> Well, I'll tell you. It's 118. Here's a fact. Before Psalm 118, there are 594 chapters in the Bible. Now, you didn't know that, did you? And after Psalm 118, there are 594 chapters in the Bible. That's why it's the middle chapter in the Bible. Who's good at maths? Because what we're going to do is we're going to add 594 plus 594. And what does it give us? It gives us 1,188. Now what does that mean? Well, Tam told me this. What then is the center verse in the Bible? Now the clue here is 1188. And the center verse in the Bible is Psalm chapter 118, verse 8. Does this verse say anything significant to us today? Well, it does. Because it says, it is better to put your trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in men. Now, Psalms, an interesting book, because it's a book that every mood and emotion that you and I have, comfort, is found in the book of the Psalms. Almost half of the Psalms were written by a man called David, King David, he's well known. A third of the Psalms, however, were written by people that were not too sure who wrote them, but they're there just the same. Jesus dying on the cross twice expressed himself by using the book of the Psalms. He referred to Psalm chapter 22, verse 1, and chapter 31, verse 5. And if you can remember, look them up when you go home. And the disciples, trying to explain 
the Lord's life used the Psalms more than any other book. So it's an interesting book. There's much more we could say about it. But what we're going to do now is read chapter 1. And there are only six verses. It says in Psalm chapter 1, Blessed or joy or happy is the man or the woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And that's what Sue was telling the children just a little bit earlier on. So there is Psalm chapter 1, and we trust this afternoon that God will bless us as we look at these psalms. Now please ignore this clock on my left because it's running slow, so don't worry too much about that. We're okay with time. Now what we have here in Psalm chapter 1, if you like, are there are two men, or two ways, and there's two destinations. So I'm going to try and keep all this very simple this afternoon. We've got two men, if you like. There's the godly man, and there's the ungodly man. There are two ways. It tells us there is the law of the Lord. And of course, there is the other way which is not of the Lord. There are two destinations. There's the congregation of the righteous. And of course, there is a place where men and women will perish under the judgment of a holy God. Now from this psalm, right at the very outset, I want to emphasize a very important point. And this is fundamental to you today. There are two ways. There's a narrow way and there's a wide way. One leads to heaven and one leads to a lost eternity. Now can I emphasize to you today there is no middle way. There is no middle ground here. And there are people this morning, this afternoon, sitting in churches throughout the land and they are treading a middle path. Because what are they doing? They're being religious. I must go to church today. Oh, it's Sunday. I've always done that. It's what I was taught. And I'll even put a Bible in my pocket or in my handbag and I'll just go off to church I'll get my children christened in the church. I'll have my funeral in the church. And I'm going to be religious because that's the right thing to do. And that's what we're depending on. We're treading a middle path. And what we're trying to do is work our way into favor 
with God. Now, I'm sorry, but our society is full of people like that. And I would be failing in my responsibility today if I didn't overemphasize this particular point. We know a couple from Ayrshire. They go to Trinity Church in Dorai. Now, Trinity has been blessed with two evangelical ministers over 40 or 50 years. There was David, first of all, and now there's Martin. And these men, twice a day, morning and night, preached from the word of God, preached the gospel, and taught God's word in the evening. And they were real evangelicals. But there's a couple who go there. Hazel and I know them. And they've been going to that church for 40 years. And they've listened to those ministers preaching the word of God for 40 years. Yet if you spoke to them in the street, you would know that they don't know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Why are they going? Because they're treading this middle path. Trying to work out themselves. Trying to be religious. Trying to be good. Trying to do all these things, work for it, when what they don't realize is the work's been completed. At the cross of Calvary, Jesus has done it all. We don't have to strive to get into favor with God. What the Bible tells us is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And it's as simple and as straightforward as that. And that is why we can even tell the children that. That's how easy it is to understand. You know, the children of Israel were led from Egypt into the promised land. But again, going back to the book of Psalms, there's a verse there that tells us something that's important. It says there, because in this promised land, there was people already living there. And they were following idolatry. They were not following God. And God wanted these people out of that land before his people went in. Otherwise, they would be contaminated by these false doctrines. But what does Psalm 44 tell us? It says, these people did not conquer the land with their swords. It was not their own strengths that gave them the victory. It was the mighty power, the mighty power of God that made them succeed. Can you see where I'm going with this today? We're depending only on the finished work of the Lord Jesus at Calvary's cross and nothing else will do. And my dear friend today, if you are depending on some other way, whether it's by your own efforts, or your religious life, can I say you are heading for a lost eternity? The work's been completed. God is satisfied. And the only way to him is through belief and faith in the Lord Jesus. Now here in chapter 1, We've got someone, a man or a woman, who is blessed. Now, you might have picked up the theme of the, the choruses and the hymns that Gus were, gave out today about the joy of the Lord. In other words, what this 
first verse is telling us is that for those who belong to the Lord Jesus, there's a joy and the happiness and the peace within our hearts. We're blessed. We have a blessing. That's what the word blessed means. Happy, a joy. Do you have that blessing today? Are you living in a life where you can say, yes, I'm at peace with God? My old uncle who's now gone to glory used to say, I've, I've got peace with my family, I've got peace with myself, and I've got peace with God. Because he'd put his trust and his faith in the Lord Jesus. So a state of joy, a state of reality, all that thrills my soul is Jesus with sign. Is what you can have today by simple faith in the Lord Jesus. And here's the question, do you have that today? It's a great promise. I don't know about you, but I love to listen to testimonies. People telling us how they became Christians. And there's another man from Ayrshire called, his name escapes me, Tommy Perry. That was his name. And if you walked the streets of Ayr in Presswick, you would see Tommy on a Saturday afternoon with his placards and his tracks sharing his faith. But Tommy was an alcoholic in his past day, another alcoholic. Bad. And drink had gripped his life. Tommy was in a mess. But in his late 40s, not sitting in a church, not listening to a preacher, but alone in a room up in Presswick, a darkened room, the light shone through the window and it formed the shape of a cross in that wall. And Tommy at that point knew God was speaking to him. And from that time on, Tommy gave his heart and his life to the Lord Jesus. And he was in fire for God. And I used to go to his church and if I was speaking, he would be stuck at the back there. And every five minutes he'd be shouting, Amen, Sandy. Amen. He was full of the joy of the Lord. He was blessed. He was happy in Christ. He had full of joy. Joy unspeakable. And that is what we can have today. But where are we looking for our joy today? Where are we looking for our happiness today? Are we looking for that lottery ticket win? Because you see that one million pound you'll win? You want another one million pound. And you want another one after that. Because it doesn't bring lasting, true joy or happiness. Or the big house, or the big car, or all the rest of it. All fleeting. All going away. The true joy and reality is found only in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And there are folks in here who will testify to that today. Irrespective of their circumstances. Irrespective of maybe the hard road they're on. They know deep down within their heart they have the joy of the Lord. And that's what this chapter is telling us about. This is what we can have. We can be blessed in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we can give God thanks for that. The chapter starts off in a kind of negative way. 
Because what it says in the, the first verses there, it says, Blessed is the man or the woman who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or the counsel of the wicked. He does not stand in the way of sinners. He does not sit in the seat of the scornful. He does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly because the man of God, the man with joy, the man with Christ in his heart, or the woman, they take wiser counsel. They take God's counsel. They walk in God's way. His footsteps are ordered by the word of God. My, if only our governments today could follow the path of the word of God. You see, when that person has that peace and reality and joy in their life, there's a sign, there's something about them that's different. And what it is, it's a sign of inward grace that's what the grace of God. And the walk is changed, the person is changed, the outward life is changed because of the inward working of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we change our walk? Well, we've been talking about being religious is not the answer to that. Or trying our best, commendable as these things might well be. Because the Bible says it's through the grace of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. Notice that point. Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not of works. Notice that point. Lest any person should boast. So we're talking here this afternoon about the grace of God that can change the life. That can bring you that peace and joy and happiness. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Lovely verses. But then it tells them not to stand in the way of the sinners. Well, his company is of, is of a choice or sort. How can we stand with men and women who deny God? Well, sometimes we've got to. At work, perhaps. Or in our day-to-day -day life. Maybe even in family circles. But what the verse is saying is, it's saying we don't stand in the way. In other words, we don't follow their pathway. Now, how many of us of Christians, and I've been here, and I know Gus has been here as well, in a, in a work environment where you go to functions and you just feel out of place. Where God's name so often is blasphemed. I remember I went to a conference with my work down in London and before anyone stood up to speak, or should I say the first person who stood up to speak, do you know what his first word was? It was blasphemy against the name of Christ. That was his first word. And I just thought to myself, I don't want to be here. And you know, that management structure of that time 
in a very short space of time. And the lady who was in charge of it was a Canadian lady. It all fell apart. And I remember seeing her at the end on a teleconference call in Glasgow. And she was in such a state because she was about to lose her job. Her empire had fell down. Now, I don't know whether that was God's judgment or not. But I tell you something. As a Christian, you don't want to follow in that way, do you? How can we stand with men in God? How can we stand with men who deny God? And then we don't sit in the seat of the scornful. We find no rest amongst the ungodly. It's foreign to us. But there's one thing or three things I want you to note here, which is very important. And of course, the Spirit of God does this in a lovely way. We've got it here. Walk, stand, and sit. You're all sitting just now, aren't you? You've all been standing today. You've all been walking today. Three of the most natural things that the human person can perform and do. And what the Spirit of God is revealing to us is it is so easy to do all these things that the ungodly are doing. Because the Bible again tells us, we've always got to go back to the word of God here. The Bible tells us we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. There's none righteous. How many more verses do we have to quote to get that into our mind? As far as God is concerned, we have sinned. Now some folks don't like to be told they're a sinner. And when we're told we're a sinner, oh, we don't like that. I'm not a sinner. Maybe that man or woman in the prison who have done a terrible, they might be classed as a sinner. Or the terrorist, but hey, me. But, you know, when we say things like that, when we say, well, I'm not a sinner, we know nothing about the absolute holiness of God. Because God is holy. God is pure. There's no compromise God cannot sin. God will not sin. But you and I, we sin every day, don't we? Just by our thoughts, by our look, by our actions. The Bible tells us our hearts is in a state of desperate wickedness. And these three things here, walking, standing, sitting, the easiest things to do. And what the Spirit of God's saying is, we don't do that. So what do we do? Well, verse 2 tells us, and I like this little bit, he delights, he delights in the law of God. Isn't that nice? That's what the man who's full of God's joy and peace has, that's what he's doing. He's delighting in the law of God. He's meditating on God's ways, God's laws, day and night. In other words, he's conducting or she's conducting her life in a way that is godly. And that is the only way that you and I can know a joy and a peace and a satisfaction in our life by adhering to the written word of God. Now Satan will try and disprove us, disprove it. He will try and sow those seeds of doubt in your mind. Oh, I'm all right. I'm all right with what I have got. I don't need all this, what you're talking about. I'm quite happy just coming along. 
But my dear friend today, remember what God has done for us, what God has given to us. He gave his son, the Lord Jesus. And that is why some of us at 10, 15 this morning can gather around a table just to remember and thank him for what he has done for us. That's what you want to do as a Christian as we come together. But then he goes on to say in verse number three, and we ask the question, well, this man or woman who's blessed in the Lord, what is he like? It tells us he's like a tree that is planted. Now, Sandy down here knows all about trees because he works with them and he knows how a tree grows. I was watching a program the other night there and they dug a hole and they put in the nutrients and they put in the big root of the tree and they filled it all in and you just knew that tree was going to grow. Now, if I had done it, it wouldn't have grown, but they just knew that tree would grow. And here, that's what the people of God are like. It's as if God takes us and he plants us in his will. You see, we're chosen. We're considered. We're cultivated. We're secured. It tells us we're secured from the last and terrible uprooting. God is going to judge us. God is going to judge this old world. And I tell you something. If you look around today, if you think things are bad today, it's going to get an awful lot worse. And you know, this is what sometimes I really fail to, to grasp. We're, we've been talking about environment issues. We're seeing fires in Australia. We're seeing floods. We're seeing a virus sweeping through the world just now. And we're supposed to be living in a modern age. 2020, it's supposed to be all equal and modern. My dear friend, the scientists would admit, this old world of ours is on a decaying slope. Because the Bible tells us that. God's going to provide a new heaven and a new earth. And we fail to grasp that in our everyday living. We fail to see it. A tree that is planted, cultivated. And then it goes on to say, by the rivers of water. It's been fed by the rivers of water. What's the Christians been fed with? The rivers of God's grace. The rivers of pardon. Communion with God. A never failing source of supply that's available for you and me through the Lord Jesus. What does Matthew 25 verse 13 say? Every plant which my heavenly father hath not planted shall be rooted up. So he plants us. But if we're not planted by the Lord himself, it is a road to a lost eternity and a judgment from a holy God. And then it goes on to say in verse 3, a tree is planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in his season. You see, for the Christian, yes, life is not always easy and rosy and nice. It can be difficult. But he gives us patience in suffering. He gives us faith in trial. 
He gives us a holy joy, a joy that this world cannot give and cannot offer in the hour of difficulty. And that is what the blessed man or woman in Christ can have. And that is what you can enjoy today. You can be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of God's grace. And indeed, his leaf shall not wither again in verse number three. You see, once God saved you, it's eternal. It's everlasting. He doesn't let go. It's for all eternity. And we will prosper in God's presence and know the great joy of sins forgiven. So what we see in this chapter, if you like, is a man or a woman who has been transformed by the blessing and wonder of God, who's not following these decrees, but he's like that tree that is planted by the rivers of water. And as I close this afternoon, I just want once again to thank God for his word and indeed for his commands and writings that we have in the word of God. And I would encourage you when you go home or in your time of leisure, open up to the middle of your Bible. Read Psalm chapter 1 and ask yourself the question, do I have the joy of the Lord in my heart so that I will not walk or stand or sit with the ungodly, but I shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of God's grace that will flourish, that's eternal, and will know the joy, the real joy of sins forgiven. Amen. Let's pray and give God thanks for his words. Lord, we give thanks again this afternoon for the word of God. We thank you for its instruction, for its guidance. We give thanks it tells us about a, a saviour who's died for us. And we come again, Lord, today to thank you for the Lord Jesus. May every single person in this room today, Lord, indeed come to know the Lord Jesus as a personal saviour and lord of their life, asking for forgiveness, because God, we give thanks that we have a God of forgiveness today. And once again, our Father, we lift up our hearts in praise and worship for what you provided for us in our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.